All right, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Evangelisti. I'm joined today by a man who has over three decades, three decades of real estate investing experience. I don't mean to, I don't mean to make you sound old, by the way, Mike. I just think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, talk to guys. <laughs> I think it's cool when I talk to guys that have that kind of experience, man. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Um, I know you're going to teach our listeners a lot. Uh, about the the realms of you know in re investing in real estate, you're doing it across all of North America and two different countries, which is awesome. And uh, so, yeah, without further ado, welcome to the show, Mike Wolf. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great, great to be here, Joe. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for being on the show. So, so Mike, tell us, uh, you know, let's just get into it, man. What what are you investing in now? What is what's the market like? I mean, this has been a crazy year for so many real estate investors. I feel like people can't decide where they should be putting their money, where they should be spending their time, where where is the most profitable resource for them? And so, so what do you got going on right now? What are you finding your, your students and, and your people are investing in right now? Yeah, well, for, for me, uh, you know, like, as you mentioned, I've been doing this a long, long time. And, and so I've tried a lot of different things over, you know, over that time period. And uh, for me, what's worked the best, and I've, I've tried a lot of stuff, what's worked best, and I think what's going to work really well going forward uh, is rental properties. You know, it's, it's not sexy, it's not exciting. Uh, as, as flipping, etc. It looks, you know, it's, it would never make a great TV show, you know, buy real estate and wait. And, yep. uh, well, but, uh, but in all honesty, what we're going to probably see coming down the pipeline, you know, post COVID, if there ever is a post COVID, but uh, <laughs> is unfortunately a lot of people, uh, you know, going from being homeowners to renters yet again, which we saw, of course, back in, you know, 2007, 2008, we're probably going to see another wave of that. And, the one thing that never goes out is, you know, people are always going to need a place to live. That's never going to change. And so they're either buying, in which case I want to be the person selling to them, or they're renting, in which case I want to be the person renting to them. And so uh, to me, that's where uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, upward momentum. If you're in the right markets, you don't want to just buy anywhere, uh, but yeah. you want to be in the path of progress where people are going. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And, you know, I haven't been in quite as long as you. I got in the, the business uh, in 2007, which arguably was probably the worst time ever to jump and to, the best time. to the investment. No, but, I, you know, I always say I had, I had to learn the, the right way if it was not only the hard way to learn because nothing was easy back then. You know, it was like we were, you know, jumping in in the middle of things collapsing around us. But luckily, um, you know, and I say luckily, we got stuck with a lot of rehabs. And we put tenants in there, we refinanced and we worked our way through it. But that, that three, four, five years, my first couple of years in the business, learning um, to be a landlord and learning what rental properties were all about. Now, understand, we had multiple exit strategies and being a, being a, you know, rental properties was one of them. So it was kind of like a natural course of business for us. But, you know, I didn't realize it when it was happening. And I realized that years later that man, we were walking right into a natural occurrence of a hot rental market because people were losing their houses, people were short selling, people were foreclosing, but they were still going and getting other jobs. So maybe they weren't making, you know, a hundred grand a year anymore. They were making 75, but they sold their $400,000 house. And they moved into my $200,000 rental property and they could affordably pay us a really, really good rental, you know, rate. Um, and, and we had the best tenant. We still have the best tenants, knock on wood. Um, oh, like but, you know, we had great stable tenants and, and the rent rates have been stable ever since they continue to climb. So, 
So you talked about being in good areas. I've always invested in places that I would want to live in myself, you know, places where I felt comfortable that, you know, God forbid all the, the world came crashing down around me. I would move into one of my rental properties. What is right. your criteria for, for, you know, areas if somebody's listening to this and hasn't, you know, gone out and, and, and bought rental properties, you know, what, how do you determine good areas? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm much the same as you and I do absolutely would not want to be a slumlord. I don't want to have crappy properties that, with crappy tenants. I want to have, uh, so I want to get into, to, first of all, uh, I'll tell you how I pick a city because I don't actually, you know, I live up in Canada. Uh, normally I'm a nomad right now. I'm of course stuck in Canada for a little bit, but uh, I, don't, I don't invest up here anymore. I invest strictly in the U.S. And so when I'm picking a market, I look at three criteria. Uh, the first thing I look at is the market landlord friendly or tenant friendly. Mm -hmm. Meaning, uh, if you go to a place like California, you get a bad tenant, they can stay in your home for, you know, I have a friend who actually had a, a tenant that wasn't paying in their home for about 16 months. And they did everything in their power to try to get rid of them. And anyway, when you go to a place that's, that's very much in favor of your tenants, you're in trouble right off the bat. And so mm -hmm. that's the first thing I look at is, is landlord friendliness. Uh, the second thing I look at is you know what is going to cause that market to appreciate? You know how I how I've created my wealth over the years to get to the point where I've got enough cash flow to to have my freedom is you know a lot a lot of people tend to go where either for markets that are really cheap like they'll they'll gravitate towards places like Detroit or Buffalo that's going to get you in trouble. Uh, it looks really good on paper. I, I want to go in the path of progress. I want to go where people are moving to. So right now you know COVID. Uh, imagine you wake up and you're, you're living in uh, Manhattan and uh, you've got your one bedroom apartment that you're paying 4,000, 5,000 bucks a month in rent on and you've got no job. Your job just disappeared. That's not a very sustainable lifetime, lifestyle for very long. You're going to eventually, uh, you're going to run out of money really, really quick. And so a lot of people are going to be leaving expensive places and going to places where there's uh, one, jobs. And number two, a low cost of living. And we're seeing that also on the other side of the country in, in uh, you know, California. I know, I know personally at least a dozen people over the last few months that have left because they can't stand the, uh, you know, the, the taxes there anymore. The cost of living is ridiculous. Uh, they're getting pretty sick of fires. Uh, and, and they're leaving and they're going to places like Texas. They're going to places uh, like Phoenix, Vegas, Idaho of all places. And so you want to be in the path of progress. You want to go where people are going to because that's going to drive the markets up and you're going to get your appreciation. And that's how you get your wealth. So that's the second thing I look at. The third thing I look at is what most people go to first. And they just look at, hey, what's the cash flow going to be? How much am I going to have to spend on the property? And what does my rent look like? And if you go to that first and you don't look at those other two, uh, that's going to put you in a really bad uh, position because you know, once again, it's going to drive you to markets that don't make sense. And usually in places that you're gonna get the highest rent relative to purchase price is usually markets where the population is declining and you're actually not gonna get, instead of appreciation, you're gonna get depreciation and you're likely gonna be struggling to keep your place uh, rented. And I learned that the hard way because, you know, um, a bunch of years ago, I remember when Detroit, there were like homes literally for a dollar. I didn't buy any dollar homes, but I bought some, you know, 20 and $30,000 homes thinking, well, how can you go wrong? Like 800 bucks a month rent on a $20,000 investment? No brainer, I thought. Uh, it didn't work out that way. I think we had three properties. I think the most rent I got at any of my properties was like two payments for the year. And so you have to be really careful of what I call paper returns. Things that look really good on paper that never materialize. And when you go into a market with high unemployment, you're going to get a lot of vandalism. Uh, those homes got trashed over and over and over again. Uh, needless to say, I'm not in that market anymore. And uh, so I'm very, very careful how I pick my markets. 
Man, you're you're hitting so many hot buttons for me right now. That's why I'm sitting here shaking my head and smiling <laughs> because I, I hear you know I hear this all the time. And man, social media just like just like it's like it's like a loudspeaker for people talking about what they're doing and what they're thinking. And 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 you hear like the the wrong thing all the time, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I just I look for two hundred dollars a door, and that's how I buy. And it's like you know I think the problem a lot of people get get stuck with is again they start I like how you're reverse engineering it right they start with cash flow and they say I buy something for $200 a door but they don't take into account all the other stuff that you just mentioned that goes into it right the fact that the, you know you get a tough tenant they're going to beat the house up when you make $200 a month per door and at the end of the year you made $2500 positive and the tenant destroys the carpet in the house yeah, your entire down. year's cash flow is gone you know, right. if you have to repaint it, your entire year's cash flow is gone. Absolutely. If they destroy the kitchen, God forbid, what's that? Three years cash flow? Yeah, you're you're done. And so it's, it's really real. important. You know, what, yeah. and, and you have to listen the right order because when, when I, uh, you know, when I first started, um, I wish I knew some of this stuff. Some of the stuff that I now teach people, I wish I would have known myself. Because a lot of times we get hung up on, oh, you know, I can get that extra hundred bucks in cash flow, but we lose sight of the big picture. And the the big picture is, especially if you're just starting out and, and maybe you're just getting into your first property or two or three, uh, when you're just starting out, really focus on appreciation. Go, go into markets that are going to go up because yeah. I would much rather get zero cash flow for two years, but be in a market where my home's going to be worth an extra 100, 200,000 bucks, as opposed yeah. to getting you know an extra 100 bucks or 200 bucks a month in rent. And yeah. so once again, if you're in the path of progress, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm actually working with one of my, one of my clients who's actually in Holland. Um, I sell turnkey properties in Atlanta, Georgia, and he bought... He bought some properties uh, through me in Atlanta, literally, yeah, I'm going to say two and a half, maybe three years ago. And uh, I'm, he's actually looking to sell one of those properties right now. He paid 130 for it and it's worth 250000 right now, literally in, in two years. And he made good cash flow while he was holding it. But if he would have got lured in by something like, you know, the Detroit homes, it looked like, hey, well, I can get an extra 400 bucks a month. He'd be sitting on probably some very damaged homes uh, that are vacant. And that are probably not even worth, you know, the 20, 20 or 30,000 that, uh, like I said, I, I bought some very, they're, they're inexpensive uh, when I bought them. They turned out to be very expensive from the time that, you know, trying to get to an exit strategy to get rid of them. So yeah. it's expensive lessons. So you got to buy, if you buy smart, if you buy in the right markets, you know, down the road, you're going to be able to build your portfolio to the point where you've got your freedom. But if you're just focusing on the cash flow now, that extra 50 bucks a month isn't going to help you quit your job. So focus on getting that big paycheck down the road and then keep reinvesting. And the reason why, even though I'm Canadian, the reason why I love the United States, you guys have the 1031 exchange. So you can build your portfolio, uh, you know, very, very easily if you can pick the markets right and take that appreciation, reinvest and go to, you know, when a market, uh, get in a market while it's low, ride it up. And then when people start fighting over property, sell, use a 1031 exchange, and then buy in another market that's lagging behind. And eventually yeah. you're going to have a big enough portfolio and enough cash flow that you won't have to worry about, you know, you can do whatever you want. You'll have your freedom. So let's get this. Let's get, let, me, let me just recapture what you just said real quick. And I, and I hope you guys that are listening, write this down. You know, we look for tenant friendly, tenant friendly, I'm sorry, landlord friendly, landlord -friendly areas, yeah. states, right? Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're, that you're, uh, in a place where, God forbid, you have to evict, you can evict, right? Uh, the landlord laws or the laws are written so that you can protect yourself as the landlord and you have the ability to control your asset, right? 
Um, you're in the path of progress, meaning you're in a place that's going to appreciate over time, hopefully not over a long period of time, but it is in, it's in a steady growth area. Uh, jobs are moving in, people are moving in, not moving out, right? Um, and then it has great cash flow. So you have those three pieces. You start to build your portfolio. Um, talk about the 1031 piece. How do you utilize that on, especially a single family portfolio? Let's say somebody's built up 20 rental properties, single family uh, in Atlanta, and they want to start to decide what's the next step. Well, the, the one thing that I've done over the years is I, I've, I've gone from market to market. And so, you know, when, when you have a big, you know, when you have a lot of chaos, we look back at 2007 when you were just getting started, uh, you know, there's different types of markets and uh, the, the markets that get hit the hardest uh, also tend to ba bounce back the quicks. We call those the trophy markets. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that come to mind are Las Vegas, where I was investing back then, uh, Phoenix, you know, Florida. These are places where people go, uh, they want to invest not because of any, uh, you know, smart criteria, not because of any business sense. They want to invest there because that's where they vacation. And they say, oh, well, you know, I, I, we like to go visit Mickey Mouse every year. So wouldn't it be great to have some properties in Orlando so we can check up on them? That's not the right reason to buy property, by the way. But if you're, if you're a savvy investor and you know that other people are going to do that, if you can get in at the right time and sell to these people that are buying on emotion, a lot of money in that. So, so what, what I did is I got in, I, was, I started off in Las Vegas and uh, you know, everybody was, uh, in that, that market was actually hit the worst of any U.S. city. It actually dropped from its peak to its lowest point, it dropped about 80%. So imagine, 200, yeah, imagine a $200,000 home in 2006 and 2007 now being worth, you know, 40, 50 grand. Like that's how bad it got hit. And so a lot of people were, you know, they were just terrified of uh, the market. People were not, uh, not buying, except for me. I, I remember there was, there was an auction that took place Monday to Friday in a parking lot and they were auctioning off like tons of homes and I remember there it started off there were maybe like five of us in that parking lot and as time went on then it became 10 then it became 50 then the parking lot was overcrowded eventually but so so anyway it's a long way of saying that if you can get in at the right time ride that market up wait for people to start fighting over properties take that money and then go to your next go to a different market that's lagging behind so after Vegas I made a lot of money in Vegas took that uh, took the proceeds reinvested in Phoenix Bought a bunch of uh, you know homes there and rode that market up. That market uh, we we uh, we weren't there all that long because it took off. Uh, we were there maybe three years, and there was a, a six month period where it went up about fifty percent. And mm -hmm. so sold off our uh, you know eventually sold off our inventory there, and and that's when I started to get into a little bit of Florida, but more Atlanta. Atlanta has been kind of one of my you know it is my favorite market. And so uh, every, for every home that I sold in uh, Phoenix, we could afford to buy pretty much two in Atlanta. We could literally double, I, I doubled my portfolio without taking any more money out of my pocket. And so that's the best way. When you see people that have built up big portfolios, it's not because they won the lottery. It's not because they started off as millionaires. They just, they, they, were, they were smart. They kept reinvesting. They, you know, they picked the right markets as opposed to a lot of people have a tendency to only invest close to home because it's convenient. Uh, instead of you know doing the research, figure out what type of markets, what, what are gonna, where where's the movement gonna be? So like I said, the first markets are the trophy markets because there's a lot of emotion built into that. They drop the fastest because all these people bought on emotion. Uh, they also get emotional. They're afraid of losing their shirts, so they dump everything off, or they get foreclosed on because they don't buy very smart. Uh, you pick those up, then you then you go to the the next markets. The next markets are the markets that actually makes business sense. Uh, you know, if we look at Atlanta. The reason I love it, very, very landlord friendly. We can usually get rid of a bad tenant maybe three weeks. 
none of this one year stuff. Uh, the, the second criteria, as I mentioned, is you want to pick places that are, are going to appreciate. Well, Georgia is very, very business friendly and they have a lot of tax incentives. So it's head office to Coca-Cola, Turner Broadcasting, Delta Airlines. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so one thing you've got to, you've got to that you notice there, it's very diversified industries. Like, I'm going to pick on Detroit again because I had such a bad experience there. But, <laughs> I mean, that's automotives. It was flying high in the 50s. But the future of auto, one in the middle of what's going on right now, there's not a lot of people who just lost their job saying, I'm, I think I'm going to buy a new car today. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of that going on. And then number two, the future of cars, it's, it's now becoming a tech play. It's, they're going to be self-driving, self-flying. It's going to be Uber and Apple that are going to, you know, companies like that, not Ford, Chrysler, GM. So that city is going to continue probably to struggle unless they reinvent themselves. Uh, when we look at a place like uh, Atlanta with all, you know, if, if, uh, we know the travel industry is going to be very tough for, for Delta Airlines and all the, all the airlines for the next little bit. That's a given. But if they start laying people off and your tenants work to Delta, well, guess what? They can work at Coca-Cola, Home Depot. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of massive companies that move there because of the tax benefits that they get. So that's the number two thing. And then the number three thing is the cash flow is good while you're waiting for the market to do its thing. You're not having to support your properties. You're, you're, you're not getting as much, at least on paper, as you would in some of the, the you know, cheaper markets. But you, you so, so after you do the, uh, the trophy markets, then you want to go to the, the markets that make sense financially where people should be investing, where there's, they're not emotional markets. And then your third choice is to go to markets that I, I call kind of sleeper markets. And, and uh, uh, you know, Kansas City, especially on the Missouri side, on the Kansas side, uh, the laws are, are very much in favor of tenants. When you get to the Missouri side, it's better. And so those are sleeper markets that they tend to just be slow and steady. But all of a sudden, when everything gets expensive around it, people are going to move to those kind of markets to lower their cost of living. So if you kind of keep these things in mind and get into the markets, let the market do its thing, collect cash flow while you're waiting. And then, you know, when, when it makes sense, exit that market, take that money and go somewhere else. That's, that's where, that's how you get your, uh, build that portfolio without having to keep going to your job to keep, you know, saving up down payments. And, and, uh, that's how I did it. So it, it's, uh, it's really what, I, if I could start over again, I would have started doing exactly that a lot earlier. Man, so I was going to say you must have a crystal ball if you're picking out these territories and just going and picking them up. And you just explained it as thoroughly as I could possibly ask you to explain it. So, I mean, for those of you that are listening, if you want to figure out how is Mike figuring out where are these, where are these cities and, how, and what's next, he, he, he just laid it all out. You have to listen to the last five minutes over again. So where are you heading to next, Mike? What's the next city? What's the next one on your radar? What do you, what yeah, do you see right now. Yeah, right now we're, we're heavily investing in Atlanta still uh, because, because of all the jobs being created there. Uh, if you ever want to know where the path of progress is, follow jobs. That's where people are always going to go for jobs, and especially right now we're having you know, mass closures of, of all these different businesses. Uh, it's a given that people are going to be looking for work and also to lower their cost of living. So Atlanta to me is number one in that department. Uh, I absolutely love that market for, for all the reasons I've already mentioned. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, so, so that's going to be a hot one. Um, but there's a lot of things that are really, really up in the air right now. I mean, imagine there's another wave and it hits one part of the country. Well, that part of the country is obviously, uh, one, we're going to see some really good deals potentially, but we're also going to see possibly a lot of people moving away from there. So you always want to be kind of watching what the trends are. So picking the next market, we're kind of, um, we're, we're watching, we're on the sidelines. We're certainly not picking yet because a lot of stuff can still happen right now. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think about big cities? I mean, what do you think about New York? You know, uh, people, people seem to be moving out and businesses seem to be struggling in, in a big city like that. I mean, do you see that happening around the country or around the world for that matter? 
Yeah, I see a lot of the expensive places, uh, you know, potentially seeing some pretty massive drops. You know, I, th I think of you know Southern California, well, actually all of California, not just Southern California, the Bay Area too. Uh, all these expensive markets are not; those aren't places that you can afford to live and not have employment. And so, as we see a lot of you know a lot of closures, uh, we're we're going to see, and, and we're already seeing it. Also, in, in the uh, within the big cities, we're seeing people moving from the city center. People that used to go drive to their office that now their, their uh, bosses are realizing, hey, we, our employees can work from home. And why are we paying for all this expensive commercial real estate? So yeah. I think, so once again, you've got to watch those trends. And I think we're, we're already starting to see, in, I know in, in uh, New York, this is already the case. I know in Toronto, this is the case. People are moving away from the city center, going further away and getting you know, much uh, less expensive real estate and getting a lot more uh, for their money. And so those are some of the trends. Another trend that I'm watching you know social distancing continues to be a thing uh, we may see a lot of people saying oh i don't want to live in multifamily. i want i want more space i need i want to have a single family home and i want lots of space between me and my neighbors we're not there yet but that's something you want to keep an eye on because that could definitely become a trend and so these are the things you always want to keep your eyes open for what are people doing what you know what's the psychology what's going through people's minds right now and yeah. I, th I think right now everybody's thinking okay well is my job still going to be there how can i can i afford to keep my lifestyle and so people are going are, are going to go to less expensive uh, markets they're going to go where the real estate is cheaper and the other trend is owning to renting and so once again great time to get into rental properties yeah i couldn't agree with you more i think i think whether or not or how long covid lasts and all that kind of thing is all speculative but ultimately people want more space are going to need more space and and, and inner city living um, as, as, uh, you know, as an option, I think is going to, you know, people are going to want to start to, 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 to go out to more suburban areas where they can kind of spread out and have their own area and have their own space. I mean, more and more people are working virtually nowadays, more and more people have the option to work virtually nowadays. Now you got kids homeschooling. So, you know, people, people need to need, need to breathe, you know, they, they need to have some, some space to go to. So, you know, when they're, when they're living in, you know, congested cities and they're in an apartment and, you know, there's nowhere to go. You know, I can see it becoming more and more of a more of a hassle than a convenience. You know, I think people lived in cities for so long because it's convenient to everything, right? It's it's, it's convenient oh, to transportation cool. and shopping and restaurants. But when you can't utilize those things, it becomes more of a hindrance than a convenience. So uh, I guess we'll see where that trend shifts in the in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for sure. And and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are gonna affect it. Also, you know, places that rely heavily on tourists. For you know, New mm -hmm. York City, I love. I love New York City, great place to visit. I, I don't want to own real estate there, but I love to visit there. Same but here. Everything's shut down. I mean, a lot of the businesses aren't, aren't going to make it. And, and, you know, I just heard Broadway's now shut down until uh, end of May. I mean, that's, that's yep. I can't even imagine how, how horrible that is on that whole industry. But, so, but these are things you got you to look out for and, you know, realize that the, the world that we had seven months ago doesn't exist anymore and will never exist again. So what, is it, what, is, what do things look like six months from now? one year from now, two years from now, five years from now. And once again, if you can predict semi-accurately, you don't have to be perfect, by the way, you know, just, but, but don't be investing in places where people are going to, don't be investing in cities where people are leaving. Uh, that's the one thing. And we're, you know, especially one industry, I'm, I'm up at, right now, I'm in uh, Calgary, Canada, and Calgary is kind of the Houston of Canada. It's an oil city. And it's, it's struggling tremendously. It was struggling before COVID and this did not, uh, did not help. And so you've got to look at cities, how they're going to, you know, how they're going to react to this change. Are they going to reinvent themselves? The thing I love about Atlanta, by the way, is um, 
a lot of movies are being shot there now. So in addition to all the stuff that was already going on, a lot of, a lot of Hollywood is starting to shoot movies there because it's a lot cheaper. And once again, tax benefits. And so, so these are things you want to look at. Where are people going to? Where is employment? Where, I mean, these are the things that will make or break your portfolio, being in the right place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Mike, while I got you here and you know, we're, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. We're about a half hour deep. Um, I, I want to get into you know, some deeper questions. You got 30 years experience in the business. I know you teach this stuff and obviously you're doing it at a high level. You know, what are some of the, what are some of the challenges or roadblocks or, you know, we call them our favorite failures, but there had to come a time, you know, through, I mean, you've been through a lot of course corrections. You've been through a lot of economics ups and downs in, 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 in three decades. You know, what are some of the things that may have happened to you or close calls or, you know, maybe, maybe rock bottom type, type stuff that's happened to you over this last 30 years that, you know, gave you that, you know, uh, incentive to keep going or push through or, you know, um, you know, get back up and keep going. Yeah, well, I've, I've, like I said, I've tried pretty much every strategy you can imagine over the 31-year period, and uh, I, I have definitely had some uh, massive failures along the way. I remember, uh, well, I, th I think probably my, my most costly failure, I remember I had a uh, property, and I used to do my own property management, and I don't recommend anybody ever do that. To me, it's like we're getting into real estate to create freedom for ourselves. And it'd be kind of like buying a McDonald's franchise and then going in there every day to flip burgers. That's not freedom. And so, uh, but I used to do my own property management, so I've got nobody to blame but myself. But I remember I had this, this one uh, tenant who I picked, and uh, uh, he gave me, he gave me a, you know, 12 post-dated checks. Every check cleared on time. It was like, I never called for any repairs, nothing. Oh, man, this is my dream tenant. Until one day, like probably 10 months into his uh, rental, uh, all of a sudden a check bounced. I'm going, that's really weird. And so I, I, I tried calling him. His number was disconnected. So I drove to the property, uh, knocked on the door. He wasn't there. Uh, left a note saying, hey, you know, it must be some oversight, but your check bounced. Can you give me a call? Never called. So I went back the next day, put another, uh, another notice on the door saying, okay, well, I didn't hear from you. So I'm giving you 24 hours notice. When I don't hear from you, I'm going to come into the property. And still never heard back. So the next day I went back there, let myself in, and the home was like trash. The guy had uh, put a grow up in there. I don't know if that's common where you are, but up in Canada, especially back in those days, uh, people would rent rental properties. I didn't know this, but they uh, until it happened to me, they'd rent uh, rental properties. They'd uh, you know uh, build a grow up, which requires lots of heat lamps and creates humidity and, and mold. And he tapped into the, you know, the city's electrical system because that's how they get busted. When their electricity bill goes really mm -hmm. high all of a sudden, then they get busted. And so he yeah. actually tapped into the city's electrical. Anyway, that was a, a $75,000 repair bill to get that home livable again. And I remember that, you know, I, I was very fortunate because I actually had the 75000 that I could afford. But then, you know, now, as I mentioned, I do turnkey properties in Atlanta. So I help people from all over the world invest in real estate. And, and I was... You know, thinking, man, if somebody, if this would have happened to one of my clients, a lot of them would have been, that would have bankrupted them. That would have been the end of their, their not just yeah. their real estate career, but their end of their livelihood. Like I can't even imagine. And so from every mistake that I've made along the way, I've turned that into a, a policy and, and uh, changed how I do business. And so as a result of that, you know, I, we, we uh, do a couple of things now. Uh, one of the things that I get my property management team to do on every single tenant is if they everything checks out there you know they they look good on paper we check their criminal background we check their you know finances if everything checks out before we give them a call saying hey come get the keys you're good to go uh, our property managers randomly show up on their doorstep 
and say, hey, listen, we just have one more piece of paper we need signed. I, ha I just happen to be in the neighborhood. I, ho I hope you don't mind. But really what we're doing is we're seeing how they're currently living. And mm. so if you get there and uh, they said they have no pets and there's 12 dogs running around the backyard, that's what you're going to have in your house. If, yeah. uh, if they open the door and there is uh, a grow up in there, you're going you're gonna to find this stuff you know, sooner than later. And so whatever they're doing to that house is what they're going to do to your house. And so that, that one step is probably, we've gotten rid of a lot of bad tenants before they ever moved in. The second thing that we do is we put in our uh, rental contracts that we're coming in every quarter to uh, change the battery in the smoke detector and the furnace filter. And we know that if somebody uh, is planning on doing something they're not supposed to do, they're going to go to somebody else's house and be their problem, not ours. And so yeah. little things like that. And so that was, it was a $75,000 mistake. It's probably saved us, you know, between we sold over a thousand homes in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm guessing it's probably saved us millions of dollars over the, you know, the eight years we've been investing there. And so sometimes you get these really big mistakes that seem like, uh, you know, you just want to quit. Like after that, it was like, Oh, like I, I, I had a real, I really had thought maybe I should get a nine to five job. And this is like, Anyway, it's devastating to me, but it was really a blessing in disguise. Every, every, everything that's happened to me like that along the way has turned into something that has now you know, become a policy or a procedure that we do. And it's just helped me become a better investor and, and, and know what not to do and know what to look for. So uh, but I can, I, can do, I can do a whole episode for a 10-day episode on <laughs> mistakes and blunders that I've made over the years. It's all the little tricks that help us fail forward, though, right? It's like if you don't learn these things, you don't implement the SOP, the process doesn't happen. And, and you know, I think the reason behind doing these type of podcasts, and I, I hope for the listeners that are listening, is that we're, we're cutting out that experience. So, look, you're going to go out, you're, you're going to do these things, you're going to make up your own mistakes along the way, and Hopefully it doesn't cost you $75,000 when you make a mistake, right? But, you know, as long as you take away something from this episode and you implement it in your process, you're like, man, I remember Mike and Joe talking about that. I'm going to make sure I do this, right? That's, that's the importance of these I, I would shows. definitely, those two things I mentioned, you know, go check out where they're currently living and uh, put in Great. their contract and, and explain, be very transparent. Say, hey, we're coming in every, you know, every quarter. Uh, be very transparent. Uh, the best way to get rid of a bad tenant is to have them not move in in the first place. So definitely never have implement yep. that. It'll, it'll change your, uh, the quality of your tenants instantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, do you have uh, anything that, how do, how do, how do the, um, how do the listeners uh, get a hold of you or find your stuff or, you know, what's the best way for them to, to, to reach out to you? Yeah. Best bet is they can, they can email me at info at Mike Wolf Wolf, just like the animal animal info at Mike Wolf And you know, uh, I'm happy to help if you have any questions or if you're stuck on something, uh, you know, I, like I said, I sell turnkey properties, but I also teach people how to do everything from, you know, invest in tax deeds at the auctions to wholesale. I mean, you name it. I, I've done, like I said, I've, I've done just about every strategy you can imagine and I can show you how to do that properly too. Fantastic, brother. Any questions I forgot to ask today? Uh, well, actually, am I able to give away a, uh, a free ebook? And, and yeah, absolutely. Stuff? Absolutely. Where do they go? Yeah. So, uh, so if, if, if people go to Mike's, let me, let me make sure I get this right because I have a bunch of different websites. Uh, <laughs> Mike's Wealth uh, that's going to take you to a free ebook, and it's going to it talks about the top strategies you can use right now, uh, even if you have little or no money, to either get started or to get to the next level. Because there's going to be a lot of, uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people in trouble due to COVID. A lot of people coming down the, you know, 
pipeline, they're going to be losing their homes. And it's going to create an opportunity not just to make money, because that, that sounds horrible, taking advantage of all these people that are, that are in trouble, but also an opportunity to, to go help these people and create a win-win. And so okay. I talk about that in this ebook. And there's, uh, you know, to me, I don't even like the term real estate investor. I like the term problem solver because that's mm. what really what we are. We meet people all the time that are, you know, nobody randomly puts their home up for sale. There's something behind it. They're moving up. They're moving down. They lost their job, getting a divorce, got sick. There's always a story behind it. And if we can help solve these people's problems, we can put them in a better spot and we get paid for it. And I can't think of a better way to make a living than getting paid to help other people. So hundred percent, hundred percent, brother. I can't tell you how many times sellers who start out the, the maddest sellers in the world end up like doing video testimonials and closing, right? It seems like, you know, when we solve that problem, everyone's always happy at the end. So I mean, that, that's no matter how ugly the situation is, but oh, the thing no, is, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when, when you help somebody, especially, you know, usually the problem that we see, it's a money problem for them. Mm -hmm. But the thing that we don't see is, is behind that. Uh, when, you're, when you have a big money problem, there's a pretty good chance you're having a relationship problem and you're under stress, you're having health problems. Like all this stuff is tied together. And so you don't even know the impact you're having on, on some people. I used to, um, I had a business called Foreclosure Fixers and I would uh, try to help people stay in their home back, at, you know, back in 2007, 2008. And I had one lady who received, she called me probably two years after I helped her out. And she said, I never told you this, but the day that I received your, your flyer, uh, I was actually thinking of killing myself that day. And then I got your flyer and I had a conversation with you and it changed everything. And so you don't know the impact that we can have as problem solvers slash real estate investors, uh, especially when we go out there, we ethically invest and do the right thing and keep, keep in mind that the other person at the end, you know, who's on the other side of that transaction, if you can create a win for them too, uh, you're going to be, you know, gives you sustainability in this industry. And so many people come and go. When you do things properly, uh, you'll, you'll, I've been doing it for 31 years. And so, uh, you know, the sustainability comes from doing things properly and helping other people. And when you do that, they're going to send all their friends and you're never going to wonder where your next deal is coming from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, Mike. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, brother. I had so many great takeaways, guys. If you listened to this, you found value in it. All we ask is that you share it with others, send them a message, give us a five-star review, tell everybody about it, send them to the show and have them listen to the replay. Mike Wolf, you brought the heat today, man. Great takeaways, especially for people that want to get into real estate investing. They know where to find you, MikeWolfMastery.com. We'll blow up, but make sure you post all the links in the show notes. Make sure you guys go check them out. Mike, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you. Absolutely.